0: Today on the Relationship Revival show, I have with me guest Kelly Miller. Kelly is a psychotherapist, a best-selling author, and radio host. Her book, Thriving with ADHD, has sold over 130,000 copies. She's currently a relationship host on Balance by Nature TV, and a writer and relationship host for Wikihow.com, which has an estimated viewership of over 116 million monthly users. Kelly was a co-host on LA Talk Radio with over a million listeners, 250 guest celebrities and authors, and an expert radio personality for Sirius XM Radio. She was the woman's relationship expert on The Examiner.com and also the advice columnist to the largest lift serve in the country, as well as a freelance writer to over 12 magazines and newspapers. She was recently quoted in Oprah Magazine in three separate relationship articles and was a contributing author to the book Chicken Soup for the Soul, Messages from Heaven, and Other Miracles in 2019. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. Talking to Kelly Miller today on the Relationship Revival Show. So excited to have you here. Thanks for coming.
1: Thank you and,
0: so much. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my wife said that I might have ADD. She said I might have ADHD. She is, she's not sure. And the truth is when people talk to me, I'm super focused. So mm-hmm. it never even crossed my mind. But um, since you're kind of an expert in that world, I mm-hmm. thought I would kind of pick your brain about how ADD or ADHD manifests and how it affects couples?
1: Oh, this is a great great question. So first of all, the term they use now is ADHD across the board, right? So back okay. in the 80s and 90s, it used to be ADD and, and there was this distinction. But now, even if you don't have that hyperactivity piece, it's just still called ADHD, just to clarify for- No, I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. Um, And so how it can affect relationships is in a lot of ways. I mean, to me, the best thing that people can do if they have a partner with ADHD, or they suspect a partner has ADHD, is to educate themselves about what it means, what it looks like, because a lot of things they can take personally- for example, if somebody with ADHD, their executive functioning may be off, so they may forget things, important dates and things. And then as a partner, you may feel like, oh, they're purposely doing that. How do they not remember? And so, you know, just educating, oh, okay, this is an executive functioning issue that they may not be doing this on purpose, but you know things just are, are different. The brain wires are are different than the neurotypical. Right.
0: Person. So if you have to get picked up from the airport, maybe an Uber instead of right. relying on your husband. Or something. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> how so? How else does it? So other than, I guess, when someone doesn't, when it's when, when it goes undiagnosed and mm-hmm. someone doesn't know they have it, yeah, that could lead to people just feeling like they're insignificant in the relationship because their partner isn't paying attention or isn't isn't kind right. of on time or whatever it is, right?
1: Sure. Well, it's like, if you really loved me, you'd be able to do X, Y, and Z. And so a lot of times when I deal with couples, I have to explain, no, it has nothing to do with how they feel about you. They're just, that that functioning is very difficult for them. It doesn't come as easily to you as it does to them. And, but then it's on the person who has ADHD to figure out the best techniques and organization to use so that they can feel feel fully functioning.
0: And what? Let's talk about some of those techniques and sure. some of those tools you can use to function. What? What do those sure. look like? Because you wrote a book about. I. What's the name of the book? It's. Uh, it was a workbook. Right? With
1: ADHD, right? Yeah,
0: and it sold over a hundred thousand copies. So you're kind of a formidable person to be talking to about <laughs> how to actually organize this. And we definitely are going to get into you know how it affects a couple when they, when one of their sure. children have it as well. So what, right. on an adult level first, mm-hmm. what are some tools to kind of organize your life or help your spouse even organize their life yes. if they are dealing with ADHD?
1: So both of my boys have it. I'm pretty open about that. Um, and one of the best things that my older son said, which I use for kids, adults, everybody is he said to me, mom, I notice that when I'm in the shower, I just drift off and I lose track of time. So Mm -hmm. now when I go in the shower, he says, I put a timer on my phone. So I'm a big proponent of timers. So, you know, it's very easy to lose track of time for everybody. But I think it really kind of sets the stage of, okay, I, you know, time's up. I got to I got to finish. It's, you know, so you're really, you're putting your, the hands of the the timer to kind of help you keep you on track. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the first. Things. Um, And then I think it's really just making organization as easy and as possible for you. So if you're constantly losing your keys, it's okay, I'm going to put a dish by the front door and I'm going to put my keys in when I, when I enter the door and I'm going to take them out when I leave. And so it's just really simplifying it. Or if you have multiple folders, it's, you know, color coding, knowing that red Mm -hmm. is for this green is for this. And it's really, you know, it's up to the individual of how they're going to remember it. So I'd work with them specifically on, okay, how would you remember this? What's the best, uh, you know, way for you or, you know, and for me, for example, like in a parking lot, I can never remember where I park constantly. So I just take a photo every time of three L yeah. of where I'm sitting, you know, sure, sure. it's like that. So it's, it's those simple things that make a big difference.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big proponent of it. I have the Apple tag in my wallet, uh-huh. on a little credit card thing oh, nice. and, and I have it on my keys mm-hmm. so that I never lose. Cause I'm,
1: right.
0: you know, and it's like, maybe I do, I don't know. What are the, how would you, let's say it's undiagnosed. What are the signs that you might have ADHD so that you know, you can, you could start a, sure. seeing if it really affects your life. Yeah. Cause now I'm curious, like, well, I'm so far, right. everything you've said is totally in line. Right. Um, what, what are the kind of the telltale signs?
1: Yeah. So I think the telltale signs are that you may, start a project and then sort of drift off and do something else. Um, it's kind of one of the key things. Um, there's a hyper focus on something. So if you're really interested in it, you may really hyper focus on it. So I think that's why people get confused, but it's like, no, I could, I could do this all day. And so there's a hyper focus on a specific thing. Um, there's forgetfulness about, you know, especially with young kids, like forgetting jackets, uh, forgetting things at school. Um, there's, you know, th- there's a difficulty with certain, maybe some learning styles like in class and, and, uh, and that involves like, you know, fidgeting and um, like needing to just constantly sort of stimulate yourself in some way. So like, you might see a lot of kids like, you know, like doing right. this type of, like, fidgety and, and that type of thing. Um uh i'm trying to think if those are like the kind of the main things i see it's it, it appears different in girls versus boys too so you may see more of that hyperactivity in boys versus girls
0: what does it look um, like in girls when they don't it have also might be
1: a little bit more daydreaming mm-hmm. um yeah but a lot of times learning disabilities coexist with adhd so okay. you may see a lot of people who have adhd and dyslexia or adhd and something else so they they coexist together a lot of the time too Interesting. Um, yeah. So the the one thing I would always say is it's you know people are really afraid to get tested or know, or and I I know a lot of parents were like oh I don't want to know. It's almost like a denial, and I'm always like no, it's it's the best thing to do to get early education and early testing as soon as you have that inkling because that information is power. You learn how to to work with your kids. The kids can get extra help in school. So yeah, I'm a I'm a huge proponent of that.
0: What does that extra help look like
1: mm-hmm. so you would get accommodations in schools so in california there's something called a 504 plan or you can get an iep which is an individualized education plan and depending on where you are the four the 504 plan is a little less structured versus that the iep but the accommodations would include extra time on tests it would include some of those fidget toys like mm-hmm. they kids actually use them um It would include uh, things like speech and language if they need it. It would include uh, resource help where they're pulled out of the classroom or a teacher comes in to help them. So things like that, that make a huge difference.
0: And where are you personally? I know you're not a psychiatrist, but where are Mm -hmm. you personally uh, about kind of taking medication for ADHD? Mm -hmm
1: so I, i'm neutral i mean i've heard parents anecdotally tell me it's made a huge difference in their kids and then i've heard you know teens that i've worked with who said oh i was on medication and i hated it i felt flat so i think it's really it's an individual decision um i have i have not put my kids on medication um not because i'm anti but just because i found that what i was saying earlier those accommodations really made a difference mm-hmm. um and if gets to the point where I feel like it's affected their self-esteem or they feel like they're not up to par, then I think I would consider it. But it's been okay so far.
0: Super interesting. Yeah. I mean I'm thinking of it as an adult and it's a little scary to me because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, maybe I do <laughs> maybe I do have it. My wife what really kind of set her off in my mm-hmm. own is when I'm at the table, I'll I'll move things around. So if Mm -hmm. I'm sitting and so I'll move my glass and I'll move it again and I'm very fidgety and Mm -hmm. I do have that hyper focus. And I told her years ago because someone said this to me, I don't know, about 15 years ago and I found it so empowering and I just assumed everyone was this way. I said, you know, uh, what was the phrasing? He said, um, uh, multitasking doesn't exist. Oh, uh-huh. And he's like, you know, you can do a few things poorly, but like you mm-hmm. got to do one thing at a time if you want. And I thought to myself, that's why I can't multitask. And I've kind of lived by mm-hmm. that phrase for the last 15 years. And she's like, well, no, most people can. And I'm mm-hmm. fidgety. And I, if I don't, I have, you know, a phone that goes off with alarms every few hours mm-hmm. whenever I have an appointment. Otherwise, I just won't show up and pick up my kids. It's just right. I know I like I'll get lost in something. So maybe it's super interesting. And that's why I'm like, well, how do you fix it? So I feel like maybe I've done the high functioning part of it of setting yeah, alarms. and everything. Say, yeah.
1: You've learned what you need. So, I mean, that's just part of it, right? So the, the people that I've met who have ADHD are so creative and so passionate and so much fun to be around. And so I think there's this stigma in our culture that it's like ADHD people are lazy or they're not smart or things like that. And I always try to to erase that myth. And then, yeah, there are people like you, if you do have it, who have learned to cope with it and just know yourself and understand, okay, this is what I need to be successful.
0: Right. So interesting. So what does your practice look like today? Are you, I know you deal with couples you've, you've Mm -hmm. probably, have you done work with kids in the past as a social worker? I did.
1: I have. Yeah. And then it got to the point where I had, kids of my own. And it was just a little bit too much. So I kind of took a break from that. And now I've been, my focus is, is late teens and then, but mostly adults and couples.
0: And why did you, you know, it's so funny because every time I get a call from a couple who's looking for some counseling or some help, Mm -hmm. the, one of the first things out of their mouth is I'm having the hardest time finding like a qualified couples counselor. And Mm -hmm. I've seen that as a running theme is just, there are so few people who first of all, want to take on that work. And -hmm. and secondly, really specialize in it, whatever modality they practice, whether it's just classic systems or Gottman or EFT or Imago or whatever it is. So few therapists and social workers and even coaches really know how to get in there and get their hands dirty and help people. Mm -hmm. Why do you think, why do you think that is?
1: I think a lot of therapists are afraid of, because it's a very intense dynamic. And I think it's a little bit intense for a lot of therapists. So it's funny, I found that there's two camps, people who love couples, and people are like, Oh, no, I don't want couples. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I'm definitely in the camp that I love it. Um, So I think you need to be okay with a really intense dynamic that a lot's going to be going on. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, to me, when it comes to couples, it's really just about just communication. It sounds so cliche and basic, but we know one person isn't hearing the other person. So really to me it's like my role of just bridging that gap. And so mm-hmm. that's a large part of it. And then teaching the tools of how they can listen to each other better.
0: Well how do you bridge the gap? What do you do you have like little magic wands you pull out of your kit to kind of fix things? <laughs> what tools do you use?
1: Yeah. So I mean some of these couples who come in they don't really even have those basic tools. So it's really it's like the reflective listening of validating your partner. I think a lot of couples today feel like if they validate their partner then they're agreeing with them and you know I'm trying to get that distinction across like you can say to your partner I understand what you're you're saying to me doesn't mean you're agreeing just means you're hearing them right because I think that's a big part of the puzzle's a lot of these couples they're not feeling heard so that's really that first step is just building that back up again and building that emotional connection And then there's obviously intimacy issues. So everything kind of stems on everything. So if the couple's going to feel more heard, then they're going to be more likely to have intimacy. So there's all these things that just from a basic level, if you can help, then you can build from there.
0: And do you use like certain are you Gottman, or do you kind of use your own work as a social worker? Is Mm -hmm. there a specific approach or I find that most people kind of pick and choose. So even the Imago therapist might have like one EFT form or one, you know, one little worksheet or something. What's kind of your approach? What's the way you.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty eclectic. Also, I do a little bit of Imago Um, to me. I I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't like to like focus on one thing. I really, it's so different with each couple. So it's really what, what they need. I mean, some couples, like, like, just like with individuals, I mean, I can do mindfulness with some and others are like, that's too woo -woo for me. And, you know, and some CBT, it's like, goes over their head. So I think it's really specific. Um, But to me, again, like I said, it's just really like, trying to help like almost a mediator position of where I'm really trying to help the other people see where they're coming from. So I'll just do exercises alongside that really, um, as a real strong baseline.
0: Very good. Yeah, I love that approach. It's like, just feel it out you know that's part of the part of the job of a qualified therapist is to yeah. figure out what the couple's going to react to
1: mm-hmm.
0: sometimes it's nice not to be I mean some some people especially when they're starting need that structure you know right. uh, but some you know the, the longer you do it the more you realize sometimes breaking that structure is what's needed for this mm-hmm. particular couple you didn't start with couples though in your career did you
1: I always did you yeah always did. okay yeah I always did and I always loved it. Um, I did both and I think they both are, are, I mean, I, I know some therapists who just do couples or mostly just do individuals. I, I like the variety. I think yeah. it's fun and yeah. That's great. Well, what do, mm-hmm.
0: what about your own life? What's informed you some mm-hmm. challenges, some obstacles in your own life mm-hmm. that have kind of helped you be a better therapist?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, so many, I think we take so many of our personal challenges, uh, and, and it makes us richer therapists for sure. Um, The biggest one is I got divorced uh, about four years ago. And so in all honesty, I think that tremendously helped me as a couples therapist, Um, learning about communication skills, learning about... Um, I think just being on the other side, it, it's almost like, you feel like, you know, something that you didn't when you were married, it's kind of interesting. So it's kind of what like did, more of a broader So now view. I'm fascinated
0: because I'm still married yeah. and, I hope yeah. to, and I hope to stay married, but what did you find out in the divorce that you didn't figure well, out? in marriage?
1: Yeah. I think that number one, like, obviously you, you, you both have to really stay in strong communication. I think that you just sort of live your everyday life and you can kind of go along. And so those, those real honest check ins um, are huge. But I also think that each individual has to know how they feel. And so if somebody's a little bit checked out, they may not know totally how they feel. And that leaves the partner kind of, you know, um, blindsided a little bit. So I think really stressing that importance of, 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 as an individual, you checking in with how you're feeling, what's going on with you, what do you need in this relationship? Um, and so that's one major thing I think I've learned, but also just like the importance of riding out those waves. I mean, if you're in a long-term marriage, you know, for let's say, you know, 50, 60 years and you're struggling, it's just a blip right in this long marriage. And I think when people are, when couples are going through it, it feels like, oh my God, it's the end. And, and so it's really just kind of riding those waves and, and really making that distinction where people can kind of you know, come back and say, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. I can sort of ride this blip and
0: yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting because now I'm thinking back to possibility of me being ADHD when there are kind of speed bumps in the road on our marriage, I hyper focus on the speed bump. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes very uncomfortable, which is probably one of the reasons why I was driven to this work is like, I need to, fix my, and thank God we have a really great marriage and everything, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's like whenever there was a problem, I'm like, this is it, it's over, I got to fix right. it and nothing, everything else disappeared. And mm-hmm. so learning those tools first and foremost came as just being useful for sure. me. So that's, that's, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, in the long scheme of things, if you do have a 50 year marriage, what's a mm-hmm. month of, of working through a problem? It's nothing. Exactly.
1: Right. Right. But, but then again, both people have to be truly committed to that process. And so that's something else I learned. I mean, I have couples all the time, you know, come to my office, you can tell one person sort of has one foot out the door. So, you know, it's at that understanding that they both really need to be in. Um, I mean, you can work with a, you know, if a couple of one comes in and they have like a small percentage of wanting to make it work, you can definitely work with that and build it. But overall, they both, they both really need to want it. I
0: mean, at the end of the day, they walk through the door. So there's some, right. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a much worse sign when you have a session scheduled with two people and only one shows up. (laughs) That's that's happened. Yeah, that's that's a whole different thing. Well, what do you feel is your greatest accomplishment in in life or in your career? I mean, it's there there, you know, there's so much to choose from.
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Um Yeah, I guess uh I think for me it's just overcoming obstacles uh, and then not letting it get me down, just the resilience around it. Um, so, you know, in my personal life, uh, I had some infertility and we had to use a surrogate for a second. So it kind of started that way. Um, but then, you know, through the divorce and so so really overcoming all of that and then pushing harder. For me, it was like, okay, if I'm, you know, if I'm going through this stuff, I just kind of, I do, I focus on my work and other things to kind of get me through. And so, yeah, so I wrote the ADHD book and um, I was excited because it did really well and I got a couple of book awards, so that was exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then obviously having my, my two kids and really teaching them that ADHD is not a deficit, even though it's called <laughs> attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, but it's not a deficit. It's just a different way of, of wiring. So really teaching them those skills so they don't grow up in shame or feel that they're less than, um, at a young age. Those are, those are some of mine.
0: Yeah. Nothing to, nothing to, uh, too shabby there. (laughs) (laughs) Is there someone you admire that kind of informs your perspective of the world?
1: Mm, I love that. I, I love Oprah. I just love Oprah. Um, and Michelle Obama, those two are my favorite. I think they're both very strong women. They're very wise, again, very resilient. Um, and I think, you know, I look at all the people that, I, and also Pema Chodron. She's a Buddhist, um, uh, like a monk and kind of a guru. And um, if you look at all these people, they've got, they've had really hard lives. And so I think that's one thing I've learned is we we think of these people, these professionals and, oh, they've had it so easy. It's like, no, that they got their strength because they overcame these obstacles. So it's wisdom through, through the pain. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how they evolved.
0: I always tell my clients, you know, if you you ever look at an x-ray right Mm -hmm. everything looks clean and i I learned this as when my kid broke his bone and then the bone breaks Mm -hmm. and you see this crack but if you take the x-ray the because one of my sons broke his clavicle when he fell Mm -hmm. off a couch to real simple like you know and the the break it was a question if there was even a break there Right. So they, 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 they took the x-ray and they're like, we think there's a break because of the way, but we don't know for sure. We'll know in a few weeks. I'm like, why? And he's like, because you'll be able to see where the break was in the x-ray. So lo and behold, six weeks later, we go in and where the break was, the bone is built up so strong that there will mm-hmm. never be a break there again. Wow. And that's how the bones heal and I and I think it's a great analogy for, you know, emotional growth. It's like, okay, when you when you learn how to heal something properly, properly, not only is it healed, it's now strong, so strong that that mm-hmm. won't even be an issue typically moving forward when you do the work the right way. And I mean, you know, it, it's reflected in your physiology. That's just the way mm-hmm. things work. And so, I think you're right. Learning learning that growth and come and coming mm-hmm. from the pain really makes people so strong. It's such an opportunity for growth. I love that. You said that, um, oh, I love your
1: analogy. I'm a visual person. So I'm like, Oh, I can totally see that. That's oh great. my! It was
0: staring at me black and white on this yeah. big screen. And you know, you see this straight line and then this big bump, I'm like, what's the bump? It's like, mm-hmm. that's where the bone, you know, grows. Mm-hmm. And then, and you will, he's like, he will never have a break in that exact spot again. So, so- I was like, wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you could tell people other than just learn how to communicate, right? If you right. could tell a couple, this is one thing you could put into your marriage or your relationship right now that will make things 10 times easier. What do you mm-hmm. think that would be?
1: So one thing, and I'm starting to write a book about this and I talk about it is I'd like to play the game who is more emotionally invested, right? So we have a couple, um, one person really wants to go to the movies. One person really wants to go out to dinner. Um, and you know, it starts kind of an argument or, or resentment because he wants it, she wants it. And so what I typically do is, okay, so, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how badly do you want to go to dinner? And the person may say, well, maybe a seven, we went out last night. And then I said to the person, you know, how badly do you want to, um, watch the movie? You know, we've not seen a movie in ages. I'm like a nine. And so it's really just, you know, getting honest, but people are typically really honest in their, in their scaling systems. Like people are saying, yeah, but what if, you know, we're not honest? I'm like, no, I haven't really seen that people are honest because they recognize, okay, they're going to win the next one or, you know, that type right. of thing. So it's just simple technique to kind of, cause we get, we get so strong. I'm like, well, I really want this. And like, there's so much built up in that. But when we just kind of simplify it, it makes it easy for couples. So that's just something simple and easy. Yeah, do. I
0: like the scoring system because it's, it's self-reported. And the other thing that I think it would help combating is there are lots of people out there. I just talked to a couple before this call mm-hmm. where they both have a passive communication style. Yeah. And so it's like, well, whatever you want. But then if you, right. if you put it in different terms, like where do you want it on a scale of one to ten? I could, I could hear a lot of my own clients saying a nine and the other partner being like dumbfounded, like I would have never guessed it was a nine because you just weren't verbalizing that. But that's how they feel inside. And so you're giving them this really great tool to express it on a numerical scale to where it can communicate kind of to anybody. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of that's really, that's really clever. I like that. What's uh, when do you think that book might be finished?
1: Well, it's literally in publishers hands as we speak. So, you know, keeping fingers crossed. So I wrote the proposal Proposal is like 40 pages of like, why that you think the book will sell? Who's the audience? It's a whole sample chapter. So I did that, sent it to my agent. And so she's, she's hand delivering it. So what's
0: the publishing journey? Like a lot of people who listen to the show are Mm -hmm. other therapists and other social workers. What's that been like for you?
1: So there's two routes, right? So you could self-publish or you can go through a traditional publisher. And so I've done both. Uh, One of my relationship books, I self-published and then the ADHD book was a a traditional publisher. Um, And I think both have its um, advantages. Um, Mm -hmm. Self-publishing, you get a lot of autonomy. Um, You know, you you get design, the the artwork, uh, it's basically all on your own, but then the marketing may be lacking where you need to pick up from there. Um, and that's the benefit of a traditional publisher is they'll do the marketing for you. They'll do the publishing. Um, but then again, they choose the artwork and, and the editor and kind of have the last say. So, um, it's really up to you. Um, and then with a traditional publisher, you do have to typically do those proposals. So there's work involved. Um, but yeah, but either way, I mean, I, I applaud anybody who, who goes down the route. It's, it's, it's a tough feat, but it's so worth it. And, um, I think it's, it's a, it's a wonderful journey.
0: Well, yeah, and you had such a wonderful success. So the the carrot at the end of that is is pretty mm-hmm. nice for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you so much for for being with us. If you want to uh, get in touch with Kelly, um, mm-hmm. it, you could find her on Instagram at at Kelly Miller Therapy, uh, and that's K-E-L-L-I, so Kelly Miller Therapy. And your website is also just KellyMillerTherapy.com, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being here. It was an absolute pleasure. If you're interested in learning how to get the absolute most out of your romantic relationships, then you're in luck because I have put together a free workshop or masterclass, if you will, about three secrets that people in happy relationships have discovered. You can view the workshop at mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. Again, it's completely free. Just go there and watch it, it'll help you on your journey, give you some wisdom, some things to think about. The website again is mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. That's mrspirituality.com slash the number three, the word secrets, it's all yours, enjoy.